welcome to the Gridiron Show, and it's our first show post-draft analysis, so there is plenty for us to get to today. We're going to be breaking down some of the news from around the NFL. We're going to be talking about some of the coaches who are on the hot seat, the Madden cover, of course, and we've got not one but two special guests, the first and second round pick for this year's Jacksonville Jaguars in association with Touchdown Trips. This is the Gridiron Show. in the house for you did you lose me again i lost you again but you're back so it's uh, fine <laughs> well i'll do my little post intro intro again then hello and welcome to the gridiron show in association with touchdown trips getting you in the game uh, we've had a fantastic response to our trip for this upcoming season so i'll tell you a little bit about that in a short while will gavin ollie hunter how are you today sir uh, yeah it's been a bit of a busy day today I oh, think it, well, you know, I got offended at work, um, where I shouldn't right. really get Save offended it. at work. Save it. We're going to get into all of that in a short while. Let you me know. tell people, because we've got two big interviews today. We've got Leonard Fournette and Cam Robinson. Yeah, great. The first and second round picks of the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up for you in just a moment's time. And that means we're going to have some new listeners to the show, and they won't be aware of our fantastic Deep South Tour for the upcoming season. So we launched this officially about 10 days ago. It's amazing. The, the love for it so far has been fantastic. Lots of people already signing up. We're heading out for 10 days between November the 4th and 14th. We're going to be seeing the Colts at Texans flying into Houston first. Great game. Great game in the AFC South. Big rivalry. We spent time at the NRG Stadium this year and uh, for the Super Bowl. Fantastic venue. We're then going to be heading to New Orleans and spending four or five days in New Orleans and seeing all the sights and sounds of that city. Uh, going to a Friday night lights experience in Baton Rouge. Then an LSU Tigers game. And you're going to hear a little bit about what it's like going to Tigers Stadium from their former running back Leonard Fournette in this show. <laughs> Fl flying to Atlanta for Cowboys at Falcons you know we're talking about a possible NFC championship game there and then on the Monday heading down to Carolina for Dolphins at Panthers before heading back all of that for just two six nine five and here's the thing that's based on the double occupancy because of the cost of hotel rooms if you want to go and just be in a room on your own you can do that it is going to cost you quite a bit more because mm. We, we do it for cost on that extra on the hotel room, but it just gives you an idea of how expensive you know, hotels are as part of the travel because it's you know quite a bit more money. Um, but what we are doing, we've had plenty of people sign up as singletons. We are going to pair people together. We're going to be like an American football trip Tinder. Uh, and <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you swipe left for your roommate before we pay okay, together. Okay, you know, few. fans and Cowboys fans going together, you know. But at the same time, it means that if you want to come on a trip with your spouse, your other half, whoever, then there is a fantastic opportunity for you there as well. And there's loads of other stuff going on outside of the games themselves. We're going to be going to authentic tailgates at every single game. We've got that lined up for Houston already. So with real fans outside the stadium, in the car park, doing it properly, buses to get there. All, it's going to be absolutely fantastic cannot wait that's the way to do it the real the tailgating thing you, you know you can go with some people and it's in a big like hall or something and there's crap food here you're going to be mixing with the fans and let me tell you guys out there if you've never been to an american football game in the states you just turn on that british charm 
people love that <laughs> they do it's it's true even for they'll give like you food me, even for people like me and matt sherry so yeah. uh, you, you get tag around with me ollie matt sherry simon clancy's coming as well brian uh, moore is he coming uh, oh i don't, we'll get uh, yeah brian moore retweeted us and i don't think ollie has ever been more pleased in his life uh he went full-on triple b on us being like well it's just lucky that brian moore follows me well, do you and know then, what it is luck he was looking at his twitter when i retweeted all right he did not uh, include me in said retweeting of the tweet uh, he also said he couldn't vouch for the company, which I'm a bit offended about, Brian. Well, you know, um, I think that was more about touchdown trips, but, you know, they are uh, everything they need to be at all certified and the trip is completely insured and so you're completely covered on it, but not that you'll need to be because there will be no issues with it. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be absolutely brilliant. For more information, touchdowntrips.com, gridiron-magazine.com for more information there where you can also subscribe to Gridiron Magazine. And we've just uh, announced this week our partnership with Neil Reynolds if you've got Neil Reynolds um pre-season preview last year uh, that he did he did a book book zine like a big massive 132 page uh special that he did last year so this year he's we've teamed with NFL UK and with Neil Reynolds to produce that edit it put it together so you know it's coming from again a great reputable source like Gridiron mm-hmm. that's now, great here's my suggestion for how we should do the show today okay sure because we've got lots to get to, lots of nonsense, lots of football chat as well. Uh, we're going to talk about some uh, some of the possible coaching changes for this year. Basically, we asked on Twitter for questions because it's that time of year. OTAs, mini camps, all going on. There's all these stories leaking out, but they're mostly nonsense. They're mostly bluff and bluster. And, oh, doesn't this veteran look great? He looks like he did 10 years ago. Oh, doesn't this rookie look like going to make an instant impact? It's, it's all a bit of nonsense. So we asked you for questions. We're going to get into all of those there are some um some couple of uh bits of news we're gonna talk the madden cover we're gonna talk pat mahomes and a few other bits as well but uh, i think we should kick off with our two interviews i think so go heavy early yeah you know heavy hitters and they are both very big heavy hitters and then you interviewing them as well so that's a a triple heavy hitter threat (laughs) so uh, let's uh let's get into that immediately and then we'll um we'll move on to your questions some more news uh hot seat all of that stuff as well so uh this week i got the chance to catch up with leonard fournette uh the new running back pick number four overall by the jacksonville jaguars and cam robinson offensive tackle from alabama picked in the second round the the jags actually moved up to go and get cam robinson when they saw that he was available two guys who you know SEC know each other's teams very well are going to have to combine this year to help that Jags offense get going Uh, we'll start off with Leonard Fournette and we'll just roll these two one into the other and I started off by asking Leonard Fournette just exactly what it felt like the moment that he got the phone call at number four overall that he was going to be becoming a Jacksonville Jaguar man I, I was excited man it was a blessing you know to have my family there with me you know throughout that whole experience and, uh, I mean, overall, it was just, uh, I, I was a proud moment, not just for me, for my parents, all the hard work they did with, with me as a kid. I'm always intrigued, particularly with prospects who are taken right at the top end of the draft. How much contact with the Jags did you have in the build-up? How how kind of clearly did they indicate to you that you were the guy that they wanted? I mean, nah, they, they, they really didn't do that. You know, it kind of, I kind of was surprised, you know, because I, I took a visit up to you know, uh, they wanted to see what my mind was, how, how, how do I work and stuff. But, I mean, when they picked me, man, I was happy. 
Well, that's the best way to be. <laughs> um, look, Leonard, just tell us a little bit about Leonard Fournette, the man, because we know uh, about the powerful, violent, explosive runner, the the five-star recruit, the guy who was so impressive in the SEC in recent years. But just for people who don't know about your route into the NFL and into football, tell us a little bit about your life. I mean, first of all, I have two kids. Uh, Lyric, my oldest daughter, she's two. I have a son named Leonard. He's, uh, he just, he's two months and some change now. Uh, I mean, I'm the middle child for, you know, um, almost about, I'm about to graduate from college. What else, man? Uh, how, how did you kind of uh, get into football? What was the route into in high school and, and in your background? Oh, man, football, I started playing football at like four or five. You know, uh, at first I, I didn't really like it because we had to run laps <laughs> and, and do push-ups and stuff. So I decided not to play for a year. Within the, the previous year came, I played and I just fell in love with it. You know, I wanted to be one of the the best the best football players at my age as a kid, you know, and uh when I went to high school I started varsity as a freshman. You know, I was the first freshman and uh the first freshman ever uh, ever to get a scholarship from L S U and, and from uh, from Alabama as a freshman. And the you the my senior, my sophomore year passed around, my junior year and I wanted to be the number one player my, my senior year in America and I went to I went to L S U for college. It's interesting because you mentioned the LSU and getting that scholarship and you mentioned Alabama there as well. Hearing Nick Saban speaking yesterday, uh, he called you the most dominant offensive player in the SEC over recent years, said that his team raised their game against you, but certainly he was someone who came and recruited you himself. So talk about that level of competition in the in the SEC, particularly from teams like Alabama. I mean, yeah, they're great, great guys, man. You know, it's a hard, hard fight every time we play against Alabama. And uh, I mean, to me, that's one of the hardest decisions I have to make, you know, by picking LSU in Alabama my my senior year, just because, I mean, when I was in high school, LSU and Alabama were, were the teams, you know. But I, I decided just to be different and stay home. How much did Les Miles play into that decision? I mean, he played a lot, you know. As a coach, he always uh, he always he, he always talked to us. Man, he was a great coach, a great man, you know. My official there. You know, uh, he, he made me feel home, not just him, Coach Frank Wilson, who was my recruiter, you know, a Louisiana period. And then Coach Joe has said in recent days that, obviously the man who came in and took over, that he feels the Tigers' offense has prepared you as well as anyone possibly could for the NFL. Do you feel like that offense in LSU has given you everything you need to step up and make an instant impact? I mean, most definitely, uh, we, we have a, a pro-style offense. At LSU, you know, the same as here in the, in the league. So, I mean, it shouldn't be a hard trans, trans, uh, transition for me. I, I'm intrigued because you, you, you are a very powerful and an explosive back, as I said. You know, 240 pounds, not light for a running back nowadays. How much do you think to yourself when you are running heads up, going right into the middle of those lines, about the shelf life of the position versus, you know, your running style? I mean, I mean you don't really think about it, you know, because after a while, you practice some of those things you, it, that comes in the game. It becomes second nature, you know. And uh, as far as like running through the line, you know, you don't really think about it unless it's third and one. You, you know, you have to get that yard no matter what. You know, you have to get it. And I mean, that's about it. And look, you played at uh, at LSU with Odell Beckham Jr. Obviously, I think the the big exponent. Uh, there have been lots of LSU players picked over recent years, Jarvis Landry, but Odell Beckham really has raised the profile of that team in a huge way in NFL terms. And he's spoken very warmly about you, uh, Leonard. Uh, you know, how close are you with Odell Beckham? 
Yeah, I've been to Odell since high school, you know. Been known since he was at Newman. Uh, he's number three for Newman. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a surprise that he was going to do what he did in, uh, in the NFL. He's always been athletic, you know. Y'all, he played soccer, played baseball, ran track and stuff. So I've been, uh, I've been to Odell for a minute now. And, and has Odell given you any advice about this process, about going through the draft, about being a rookie, a high-picked rookie in the NFL? I mean, any any former player from LSU always come back and tell us about the whole process, about what should we expect. Uh, man, just things like that. I mean, and, and that's a great thing about about LSU, about the, the players. You know, they come back, help us out, give us advice when we need it. Look, what are expectations like? Because the last time the the Jacks finished with a winning record was 2007. Now, how big is the task for you to build on that situation? I mean, uh, it's a challenge. It should be great, man. I mean, everybody faces adversity. Everybody faces the challenge. It's how you overcome, how you you get over it, you know. But at the end of the day, our job is to win. You know, we're going out here each and every day. Working hard. The team finished 22nd in rushing last year. Improvement is clearly needed in that department, and you, you're a big part of that, I think it's fair to say. Hey man, you know, for them to have faith in, in, in their, in their fourth-round pick and to know that I have the ability to come around here and change a lot of things, me and the other guys they drafted, and uh, just help out the veterans who, who came here before us, and just, just paving the way. Yeah, and I mean, not just me, you know, the line, you know, the, the line play a big part of our receivers. You know, they take all 11 people just to help one guy out, you know, and that's just not much for the quarterback. Got to block for the quarterback. Got to block for the wide receiver so they can get the ball uh, when, when they're open. Leonard, while we've got you, I wanted to ask you about uh, LSU, about Tigers, because uh, Gridiron and Touchdown Trips are doing a massive tour to the Deep South this coming season. Uh, yeah, we're doing... 10 days we're doing matches in Houston in Atlanta in Carolina but on the second Saturday we're there we're going to an LSU game at Tigers Stadium you're a man who knows that place well what can British fans who have maybe never experienced a college game before expect when they come out and they experience Tiger Stadium for the first time I mean you can walk into that stadium man there's a hundred and hundred and five thousand fans there you know uh Louisiana is a is a, a state for football, you know. So when you get in there, it's gonna be loud. You're gonna get all the the gumbo. You're gonna get the gumbo. You're gonna get the crawfish. You're gonna get a little bit of everything, man. Uh, a new tradition that you're not used to. Everybody is celebrating. Everybody's going crazy in there. So I think you should love it. Fingers crossed. I hear the cooking is particularly good. Nick Saban was saying that your mum's is the best. Yeah, my, yeah, she, she, she <laughs> she's a good cooker, man. It's good to know. It's good to know. And the last thing you talked about our special Tiger Stadium is you're going to get to come out here to London, play at Wembley, you know, uh, beyond Cowboy Stadium, the biggest stadium that regularly hosts NFL games. Has that even entered your consciousness at this point that you've been drafted for a team that are going to London? I mean, uh, I've never been overseas, so this is my first time overseas, man. You know, just to just to get that experience is going to be a fun, you know, it's going to be worth the while, you know, something I can put in my memory and tell my kids. So I'm just ready for it, you know, out here getting, we're getting better as a team, as a whole, you know, and uh, by, when that day comes, you'll see Jacksonville come out there. And hopefully win for a third year in a row. Yes, sir. Joining us now, Cam Robinson, new offensive tackle of the Jacksonville Jaguars, selected in the at the top of the second round of this year's NFL draft. Uh, look, Cam, thank you for joining us. I know you've, you're coming straight off the training field. How's uh, Jacksonville treating you so far? Um, it was it was it was, was kind of on the hot side yesterday. It was a 
because we got a little rain today, so it cooled down a little bit. We got a little bit more shade, but, you know, it's, it's been pretty good. Well, certainly weather for offensive linemen, then. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, look, Cam, we said it to Leonard, but welcome to the NFL and congratulations. And just talk to us a little bit about the process for you of, of landing in Jacksonville because you were one of those cases of people who go and attend the draft but fall to day two. So uh, just what was it like for you getting picked so early on day two but having to go through that entire Thursday, first of all? I mean, well, the Thursday wasn't fun. So, I mean, I, but you know, the next day I tried to, you know, just go into it with an open mind. Um, just, you know, overall, just really be appreciative that, I'm even going through the draft process, you know, all in all. So I think they kind of get lost in, in, in the whole in the whole draft process, just the fact that how big of a deal it is that you actually been drafted. So I just tried to, you know, go into it with an open mind and kind of look at this. What, what did you do on that Thursday evening? Did you manage to get any sleep? <laughs> yeah, I got, I got some sleep, man. I, um, not too much, but I got a little bit. I got enough. And look, with that process, what did it mean for you that the Jags actually moved up in that second round to come and get you? I mean, it, 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 that was obviously a big deal. I wanted to go to a team that, you know, that, that wanted me just as much as I wanted to be there. So, I mean, just for them to trade up, um, trade up that spot and, and come to get me, it just, you know, it just showed that I was a, um, that I was a player, I was a project that they were interested in. I know that in the build-up, Coach Marone, Tom Coughlin and a team came and gave you a private workout probably about 10 days or so before the draft. Did you have any inkling at that point they were planning to take you? I mean, I, I kind of, I, I had so many workouts and so many visits, it was kind of hard for me to gauge um, where exactly uh, I would go. So, I mean, I just, I just tried to keep an open mind. But, um, I mean, I knew that they liked me. And, you know, it was, it was, a, um, it was a, a place that I liked as well. So, it was just kind of... Just if they pick me, they they they, uh, they pick me, and if someone else did, I would have to go there. And what have the team told you about your role and what they want from you in this side this year? Um, they haven't really. We haven't really talked about roles, and um, they just want me to come in, you know, uh, work hard. Um, just just pretty much earn the respect of uh, all the all the coaches and all my and all my teammates as well. So uh, that that's pretty much just where that's that's the direction I'm going in right now. I mean, you you play as a tackle cam that's where you played for Bama and obviously they went and they signed Brandon Albert in the off season there's still some discussion on what his future holds with the team but you know you prepared and ready if they say to you right we're going to kick you inside to guard we're going to switch you over to the right is that something you feel you're ready for um yeah definitely i feel like you know i'm i'm ready for any for any um anything that, that they tell me to do um i think that just that honestly just as more value to me as a player if I can, you know, kick around and play different positions. So, I mean, I'm open to, I'm open to anything that, that just benefits the team. How positive is it for you for it to be a guy like Doug Marone with so much offensive line coaching experience to be your new head coach? I mean, that, that, was, that was a great quality. Um, you know, I don't think you find too many of those guys throughout the NFL, you know, former offensive line coaches that are head coaches. So, I mean, it, 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 it was, that was a, um, that's a, that's a special place for that reason. And, I wonder as well about Nick Saban. We're doing a big piece on him in a Gridiron magazine coming up. But he um, he described you this week as as good a prospect as anyone Alabama have had. And this is a team who, you know, had four guys go in, in the first round, you right at the top of the second. So it's high praise from a great man. I mean, yeah, he's just, I mean, that's something that, that we talked about all the time. I mean, I know that's how you felt. That's, I mean, that's just... 
that's just his opinion, I guess. Those, uh, I mean, it is high praise, you know, just because of the amount of talent that we that we do produce um, out of Alabama each and every year. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I just I, I thank him. It's amazing. You were only 18 when you won that starting job at Alabama, coming up against, you know, big names, the likes of Miles Garrett on a regular basis. But considering that level of competition you faced in the SEC, how big of a step up do you think it's going to be to this next level to the NFL? I mean, it's, I think this is probably going to be, you know, the biggest leap just because when you get to this level, everyone is good. Um, you know, in college, you kind of have, I mean, they, they would they would they would be headline players, you know, uh, uh, different weeks, and you know, guys that they um, that that are obviously good players. But at this level, uh, every week you're going to be going against, you know, um, guys that are the best at what they do. So I'm I'm, I'm expecting the um, talent level to jump significantly. What what informed your decision to come out a year early, Cam? Um, it was just you know when I reviewed um, my draft grades that I got back, uh, I sat down with my mom and uh, I sat down with Coach Saban. And we just, you know, decided that that would be the best. Um, that would be the best uh, move for me. Uh, it's fair to say the offensive line has been an area of concern in Jacksonville. Protecting Blake Bortles. Have you had any time to look back on the tape from the last twelve months? What do you make of the play from the Jags last season? I actually haven't. Um, I, I actually haven't. Um, I haven't watched. I haven't watched. I've watched some film, but I haven't just sat down and broke down the, um, the games and watched um, each individual player. But I mean, I, I definitely know that. Um, that's a point of emphasis. That's something that they want to, you know, get corrected. That's something. Uh, that's a position that uh, we're looking to get better at. So, I mean, I know you've been out there practicing over the last few days. Just talk to us a bit about that process since being drafted to now. Then, because obviously there is so much to do in in OTAs, in mini camps, in in everything that comes over these next three four months to prepare you and be ready for September. So, just talk us through the last ten fifteen days. Um, you know, it's, I think the last 10, 15 days, they, they've actually um, flown by. Once, once I think about it, and once you sit down, you got time to, you know, kind of look back and kind of review um, all that's happened in the, in the past two weeks or so. Uh, I mean, it's, it's been a fun process, but, I mean, it's, it's always good so when, you know, you can just get back to just playing football. Look, I want to ask you, Cam, about how much football actually means to you because there'll be people who are aware of the kind of red flags that were following you into the league, your arrest in 2016 and and that situation, obviously all resolved at the time. But I think it speaks more to how important football is to you and the reason I say that. An interesting quote that came out of that from uh, Jerry jo- Jerry D. Jones, the, the, the kind of local uh, prosecutor involved, said that he wanted to emphasise that the main reason that he felt that they, you needed another chance was that he refused to ruin the lives of someone who had spent you know, their adolescence, their teen years working and sweating while everyone else was sat in air conditioning. So for you and your life and where you've come from, how important is football to you? Um, it's extremely important. You know, it's, 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 I, don't, I don't really like when people say it's a job because, I mean, it's kind of you get paid to do, you know, get up every day and, and do something that, that you're passionate about, something I'm passionate about at least. Um, so I don't even like to look at it as a job. I, I mean, it's just, I, it's just an opportunity I get each and every day. And it's like I always say I get to play football. Like that's something that, that, that you know, that I love. It's something that, you know, it means the world to me. And um, it's something that, that you know, I, I can't see my can't see my life, you know, without football in it. So, um, that's just you know, it's just a blessing each and every day when I get up and I, I'm able to play the sport.
and coming to London this year, facing off with the Baltimore Ravens at Wembley in front of 85,000 UK fans. Have you managed to think much about your trip out to London yet? I'm looking forward to it a lot, man. Um, it's like a, it's some, you know, it's a place I've never been before. And I'm, I'm always interested in, you know, seeing new places and um, experiencing new things and, um, you know, things like that. So, I mean, it's something that I'm looking forward to. So there you go, the Jags rookies. We're going to be talking plenty more Jags uh, in, over the off season as we start our season preview and, and everything else that's going to be coming. And actually, there's an element with the off season where we haven't. I don't want to say we don't have a plan, but I think as per usual, what we'll do is we'll do some interviews around the Hall of Fame. Um, I know that we're going to be uh, joined uh, around that um, uh, by Morton Anderson. Uh, he's going into the Hall of Fame this year. I've already spoken with him and he's going to be coming on and joining us and doing a bit of a, a retrospect ahead of going into the Hall of Fame. We're going to be speaking with Peter King about the future of the Hall of Fame. So we'll do a Hall of Fame special coming up this summer. And we're also going to get some other kind of big name interviews from from former players and try and do some, you know, some bit feel more specials, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But actually... We'd love some input from the listeners at Gridiron on Twitter, at UK Gridiron on Instagram, however you want to get in touch with us. And just give us some topics to discuss. Give us some things that you want us to get into. We're going to go into your tweets, etc. coming up here shortly. And, and yeah, that's I think that's the best way to build the show. Give the people what they want, Ollie. Yeah, I agree. I also um, I'm undecided on which position to concentrate in a draft in the draft class uh, for 2018. Uh, so this is after you focused on what tight ends and fullbacks in 2017. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm really, I'm going to go deep into it. You know, I foc- focused on tight ends and fullbacks in a very uh, superficial way in the couple of weeks leading up to the draft. I'm talking about, I'm going to Simon Clancy one position. Okay, nice. But I don't want to do, I don't think doing quarterbacks relevant. Also, I don't think doing offensive or defensive line. I, I, you know, I don't know the minutiae of that, but you know, like a, you've got to know, you've got to know your own limitations. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking fullback or, you know, running back or tight end or wide receiver, linebacker, corner, safety. I'm happy to do any of those. I think that would make I'm more all, sense. So yeah, let me I'm know what you what you'd fancy. This is this is all a great idea, mate. Brilliant stuff. Um, I, I, made, uh, I, I mentioned when I was chatting with Cam Robinson, although I didn't put it into the interview because sadly there was no good answer. One of my favourite bits of news from the NFL over the last week was that uh, uh, David Njoku, one of the three Browns first rounders for this, uh, on the first night that the uh, veterans met with some of the rookies, the veterans who came along mm. to, the, uh, to the rookie minicamp, uh, thought Joe Thomas was a coach. No and way. I spoke to him as a coach. And uh, I've actually spoken with Joe Thomas and with the Browns. We're going to get Joe Thomas on in a couple of weeks, next couple of weeks as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it's that time of year where there's, uh, there's still plenty for us to talk about. But, yeah, as I say, we'd love to know what you want us to talk about. And, Ollie, I think people who are regular listeners, not new listeners, will be disappointed because just at the top of the show, we didn't just have our usual chat. No, How have you been, right. mate? Um, yeah, I've How been okay. As I said, a uh, bit of a busy day today. Why did you get offended at work when you didn't think you should? I shouldn't have done... Yeah, in one of our meetings, there's a, we're in a tiny, tiny studio, and we've got a work experience in there. There's the, the executive producer, there's the two presenters, there's the AP, there's me, and then there's the producers. There's seven people in that tiny room. So it's all quite confined anyway. And um, the producer just keeps swearing. But a lot just to put his point across and he's, I'm sat next to him it's shouty and normally it doesn't offend me 
But today I was just like, oh, mate, can you just stop swearing? Just... I'm, con- I'm concerned about us spending 10 days together. No, no, no. I'm happy with swearing. But when you're in a professional workplace, I, I don't know whether it's... It, it was just a bit too much. Maybe... Uh, uh, do you know what I need? I just need to get away. I feel like you're being a bit, feeling a bit sensitive today. But I'm a bit sensitive. A bit sensitive. Uh, you what know, the, the weather's not great. Doesn't know whether it's hot or it's cold. You were telling me earlier that you've you've got a layer of sweat on your body as you take a shower. <laughs> you know, you I'm, don't, really, I'm, re- I'm really glad that you've shared that with me. You don't know whether you're public. coming or going. I don't uh, know. You know, it's just you know. Uh, I had a bit, I had an annoying d- time at cricket. The captain was abject um, in organisation and captaincy. So that was annoying on Saturday. I'm just you know I'm a bit annoyed. I just need to get away. Rest easy knowing that Evander Holyfield now follows you on Twitter. It's amazing that, isn't it? He was um he was <laughs> I, tweeting I, I, and I think he accidentally put a tweet out about the Wigan Warriors rather than the Golden State Warriors. Well, it, it, look, if you're not a basketball fan and you didn't follow last night's game between Golden State and San Antonio, even if you weren't a basketball fan, it was an unbelievable uh, game of basketball. San Antonio, yeah. uh, San Antonio are 25 points up at one point. Kawhi Leonard goes down injured with eight minutes left. You know, potential MVP candidate, best player, uh, best two-way player in the in the NBA, and brilliant for the Spurs this year. He goes down. Golden State go on an 18 and nothing point run and end up completing the comeback. They win 113-111 in game one of the Western Conference Finals and it was just uh, you know high drama everything you want playoff sport to be really really exciting and Evander Holyfield tweeted oh this is going to have to be some comeback but if anyone can do it at Wigan Warriors FC can do it (laughs) wrong Warriors Evander what I did enjoy was that you quote tweeted it he followed you you were then discussing with Abby Patterson, who's from TalkSport, that he followed you. And you did a little thing going, I don't know why he's even bothered following me. I don't even have a blue tick. And I felt like even though it wasn't aimed at me, it felt like a dig, mate. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about it like that. Um, <laughs> I still don't know why he's following me. And the best thing is, I haven't followed him back. <laughs> D- DM him, see if he'll come on. Yeah, why not? Why not? Evander, big fans. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Uh, before we get into the NFL stuff, anything else to report from the last? Because it's been kind of seven or ten days yeah. before we did our draft reaction show with Simon and Matt Sherry. Anything else going on in your life? That's, that's... I think both of us are rather consumed with dynasty fantasy, which is oh my god, which is it's just again that's annoying. Just waiting for people to make their picks for various reasons. Again, this feels like a dig because I know that I'm on the board right now. Get on with it. Um, <laughs> no, that wasn't a dig at you. And when I messaged you earlier saying you were on the clock, I just didn't think you knew that you were on the clock. No, I was fully aware I'm on the clock. And that's in the sixth round of our one of our two dynasty drafts. And there's only like three picks left. So everyone wants me to get it over and done with. I'm like, no, the podcast is more important. You, Plus, you I have, have got your priorities right. No idea who I'm going to pick in the sixth round. So there we go. Um, I had a car crash in the last 10 days. That yeah, happened. what was that all about? Uh, a motorbike went into the back of me when I braked to stop for some traffic lights. Uh, we were both going at some speed. He actually swerved to try and undertake me. And then when I broke, braked, broken, braked for the lights, he, uh, he just went straight into the back of me, went over his handlebars, <gasps> smashed shoulder first into my back windscreen, shattering it. But he was wearing the full gear, so not just helmet, yeah, but padded. Yeah. Jacket. And literally, I, I I screamed a little, like a little, Ooh! and then I looked in my rearview mirror, and he was just stood up, happy as Larry. 
He was fine. I think he might have even landed on his feet. Did you? Do, what was the conversation afterwards? Uh, him trying to avoid blame, but generally accepting it probably was his fault, and uh, me going making sure I got all his details to send to our insurers. And I've now got a cover cover car. It's not the right thing. A courtesy car. Yeah. While our car is in the garage, and it is a Fiat five hundred. Yeah. I basically look like I'm driving around a clown car. Maybe we should go on a road road trip together. I'm not doing two, uh, two Fiat 500s. It, but like, because you will treat it like Mario Kart, and I don't feel like that's safe. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like you will treat it like Mario Kart, and I don't think that's safe. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. I probably would. Uh, <laughs> does your wife like said Fiat 500? My wife loves said Fiat 500. Yeah. Certainly the decor inside, etc. She's a big fan. The decor's great. Going around roundabouts and in fourth gear is pretty cool. Insanely easy to park. It's great to park. You know, they're great little cars. Great cars. Yeah, but they're great little cars for people your size. That's very true. I am too large for the Fiat 500. Yeah, I'm sorry, mate. This uh, has gone th- way, way off track. Yeah, it really has. It really has. Uh, what else we- is going on? Uh, well, I, 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 there's loads of stuff. Like, we normally, like this thing, anyone who is new to the show, we normally talk about films we've watched, what else is going on in the world. I went and saw Alien Covenant the other day. I really enjoyed it, and then everyone's been kind of a bit bitchy about it. I so. won't watch it. Um, I won't watch why? it, not, be- not because I've listened to the, the, the reviews or, you know, um, or people saying that it's rubbish. I don't like scary films. It is scary. And one of the scariest movies of all time is Aliens. And the Aliens the, over Alien. Yeah. Aliens where Alien is way scarier than Aliens. Yeah, but I watched Aliens first before Alien. So, you know, the you've got all of those tunnels with all of the the aliens in them and that scared that scared the shit out of me. Um I kind of knew what was happening with Alien. You knew what was going on, but <sighs> It seems Alien Covenant might be a bit more of the same of Aliens rather than Alien. It's actually maybe more Alien than it is Aliens. But oh, okay. really? Okay. Yeah, but Alien I is love the fact if anyone that. hasn't watched either Alien or Aliens, <laughs> we're just, it's just talking as though they have. It's great. The distinction between the two is unclear. Should yeah. we do a little bit of NFL news yeah, and yeah. then we'll get on to people's tweets, including our conversation about which head coaches are going to be in the hot seat going into 20. This is a great question, by the way. Great question. Um, it is a great question. Neil Dutton, who regularly sends in great questions. Um, interesting. We had, did have a tweet from Cal, regular tweeter, asking, should the Chiefs have traded up to get Mahomes? Can a guy really sit for two years when you've made that kind of move? Um, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, well, the, but the, it's even so, we've got to think that seven, eight, nine years ago, even ten years ago now, blimey, when he was picked. So it is a different NFL now. That's and true. I, I kind of I bring it up because, in addition, um, uh, Patrick Mahomes, I don't know if you've seen the news report today, but uh, the Chiefs quarterback and three others were robbed on Friday night <gasps> in Tyler, Texas, at gunpoint. <gasps> so uh, it's not, you know... Uh, the team have said they're kind of thankful Patrick and everyone involved is safe because that's what's most important. But a bit of a rough start to life in the uh, in the NFL um, if you're getting robbed. And I, it's one of those. It might have just been random. It's one of those. It really so, was. Yeah, <laughs> you sort of think. You also think 
did somebody recognize him now that he's you know become insta famous to people who don't want watch college football already um and gone right that guy's gonna have a bit of money let's rob him so but i, I count uh, my my feeling is and we said this with the draft show with pat mahomes i am not high on mahomes not like you are and i know you are but i i I see the raw ability and I see the fact that he makes plays outside the pocket and he's very exciting to watch. But I do think he's incredibly raw and I'm not sure he's got the right... He, he's, he played in that kind of air raid offense, which really doesn't suit what Andy Reid does. And we've never really seen an air raid quarterback come to the NFL and be truly successful. And it's definitely not the system the Chiefs run, but... If you're going to put a quarterback in any situation, putting him behind a truly steady hand like Alex Smith, putting him on a team with a very talented roster already, putting him with Andy Reid as a head coach, that is all perfect. And Alex Smith has two years left on that contract. They're easily going to be able to keep him sat behind him for that entire length of time because I think Mahomes understands his situation. But the Chiefs knew that there was a ceiling to what Alex Smith is and can achieve and can be i think that's harsh he took the 49ers to an nfc championship game he was the quarterback for the first eight nine games of a season where they went to a super bowl i think he's a quarterback who with the right roster can take a team to the super bowl but they felt like they needed to find that higher ceiling and if he was going to go anywhere it was the right move and i think actually if there's any team who are going to sit him for the entirety of this year and beyond i think the chiefs is probably the right situation for it was actually other than maybe to Sean Kaiser, where the Browns uh, have got so much rope they can do whatever they want, there's no other quarterback taken in the first couple of rounds who I don't think will start a good number of games this season. Deshaun Watson? I think Deshaun Watson will be starting by week five. Yeah. If not earlier. Yeah. I'd be really surprised if he wasn't. So Yeah, elsewhere, you're right. No, I, you, I don't think there are many quarterbacks that are going to go straight in, unlike last year where there seemed to be quite a few that were thrown in at the deep end. I think you're right also that Andy Reid is the best person to learn from and he's come. he comes in with this raw ability and raw talent and then having him sit is the right thing to do and they obviously see him as being the future of the franchise when Alex Smith eventually his contract runs out or eventually leaves. So it's... It, They've obviously. It's no small. It's no Trump change. That's for sure. To to be a backup, and we may see him in sort of blowout situations, which don't often happen with the Chiefs. I'll add that, but we may see him at the end of games, or if well, what would happen if um if Smith goes down? Does Mahomes come in then? Who is their backup? Let me ask you, Ollie. Do you have the soundboard ready and in front of you? Uh oh, wait. Is it? Is it? <laughs> no, nobody cares about Ryan Fitzpatrick right oh, now. Uh, it's more to do with the fact that Jonathan Hankins has claimed that the Indianapolis Colts, with their off-season signings, have the best defense in the AFC. What? Do you know what the guy is? Um, is the guy? The guy is drunk. There we go. I was waiting for it. Yeah, sorry, I had just to do it by yourself. I had but... to find it. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> uh, I I was a little bit. That is seven and nine bullshit. 
Excellent. Yeah, I, you know, I said we weren't going to talk about the nonsense stories, but I just wanted to raise that because it was so ludicrous. I also enjoyed the fact that there's been so much tension. The fact that Mitchell Trubisky, with his thirty million dollar contract, is still riding around in a '97 Toyota Camry um, with 170,000 miles on the clock. That's not going to keep happening. But I, I do wonder whether or not, after my car crash recently. I should be thinking about investing and getting a fancy car because, you know, making big money now, buddy, and none of this is true. I just wanted excuse <laughs> to know. talk. I to, yeah. Didn't know don't, where don't this know was where, going. Like, no, I don't know where I'm I could have jumped this. in. I just was interested. What, what uh, are you yeah, doing? I was waiting for you to jump in. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I liked the Mitch Trubisky point. story. Basically, John Fox went to, uh, when he went to, to chat to Trubisky uh, when he was in college, he said, uh, Trubisky said, well, John Fox was fascinated the fact that he was still riding around in this this beat up old Toyota, which turns out to be his grandmother's, and uh, made John uh, Trubisky said to John Fox, "I, if you select me, I will drive this to practice the first day." And he's done that. So it was it was always on the cards. It's great. I love that. It's a nice story. I um I I had a moment of true sadness in the last two last uh, few days, Ollie. The realization that as the person who over the recent seasons has been our resident video game reviewer who has done the Madden reviews for Gridiron the last two years and is a huge fan of video games in general that I don't know if I'm going to be able to get Madden this year why not? because not only have they decided to put Thomas Brady on the cover (laughs) But they've decided to call it the GOAT edition. Oh, no. What? Why have now, they done that? Now, I've even said... That's out of order. In, I've even said since not even this year, but the victory last year, that, uh, you know, the... the, 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 no, the no! No! <laughs> I've even said that since the Seahawks victory, I think there is very little argument at this point that Tom Brady is probably the greatest of all time. And quite interesting that since this has happened joe montana has refused to call brady brady the goat and then brady has come out and said himself that he refuses to call anyone but joe montana the goat it's just it just it's just unnecessary it just made me sad yeah i I can yeah i feel like you're still gonna you're still gonna get it things in their life they have five super bowl rings they go to the afc championship game seemingly every single season they have a head coach who refuses to get any worse or disappear or just get out of our footballing sphere. They have a quarterback who's going to play probably till he's 50 years old at as high a level as anyone else in the NFL. And now they get the Madden cover with goat written on it as well. It just made me sad. Are there not sort of special editions where you can buy one with your team's quarterback on the front, Colin Kaepernick or someone like that? <laughs> Uh, there was a really interesting thing. Actually, we should obviously. do something called Kappa Watch. Uh, <laughs> like, has has anyone seen Colin Kaepernick? So, uh, sp- speaking of that very thing, yeah. Pete King in his MMQB this morning uh, said came up with the ideal landing spot for Colin Kaepernick, and I'm genuinely stunned that we hadn't discussed this as a possibility previously. Go on. But what about Seattle? Oh, right. The current backups to Russell Wilson are Michael Birdsong, Skylar Howard, Jake Heaps, and the real backup is Trevon Boykin, who's yeah. been arrested not once but twice this offseason already. 
If you've watched Seattle's offensive line in the last two years, you'll know that the backup quarterback is pretty important in Seattle because Russell Wilson was an absolute punching bag in recent years. Mm-hmm. Pete Carroll loves the kind of, uh, you know, he has no problem having those guys on his roster who are yeah. quote, quote yeah. distractions. Well, Michael, John, Michael Bennett being one. John, John Snyder's a guy who's brought in uh, the best players he can and find out to figure out if they can fit. Um, you know, Paul Allen, who is the least conservative of NFL owners is never going to forbid Schneider from signing a player who knelt for the national anthem last season. Oh, and by the way, he's already said he won't be doing that this year. He feels he's drawn enough attention to it and he's going to draw attention and continue working on community projects in other ways. And actually in terms of an unconventional quarterback, Russell Wilson's much better than Colin Kaepernick. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But in terms of an unconventional out of the pocket quarterback, you know, it's a really, really good idea for a landing spot. Um, is there an association with the 49ers that means they might not do it? I don't think so. Well, tell me, as a 49ers fan and a man who also thinks that Kaepernick is one of the good guys, how would you feel if he swapped if he swapped gold and red for dark blue and lime green? Would that taint your view of him at all? No, quite the opposite. I think it would improve my view of the Seattle Seahawks. Mate, you just you just went up in my estimations. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I didn't, I'm impressed. I didn't, think, I didn't think I could be any higher in your estimations, Ollie. So I'm really pleased. I didn't think you could get any higher, mate. <laughs> um, and the final thing, the other bit of news we haven't talked is the Buffalo Bills actually hiring Mr. Bean as their GM. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course we mean billy bean not the one from moneyball but uh the assistant gm from the panthers joined sean mcdermott uh, his former assistant head coach and former defensive coordinator in buffalo um and it was interesting they, they did a conference call this week hearing just how closely those two worked when they were in carolina and the mutual respect they have for each other it feels like bean was mcdermott's guy the guy that he wanted in there and when you heard how much McDermott was running the Buffalo Bills draft room this year and how much the previous GM had been uh, had been ostracized there already you just kind of think why didn't you make this move four or five weeks ago rather than waiting until after the draft but the guys in there now the Bills have restarted for sort of the fourth time in five years the third time under the Pagulas but you know no playoff team in 17 years hopefully in in the way that as I think everyone should do, and as people are now learning, if you're going to restart, you need to restart on both positions at the same time. Mm. That's how you get it done. And hopefully, uh, for the sake of the fans of the Buffalo Bills, who are a team I like a lot from a fan base perspective, hopefully they can get it done now. Yeah, agreed. He, he also confirmed that Tyra Taylor will be the starter. Uh, there's some other guys on the roster. I've only watched Tyler from afar. Tyrod from afar. We had a quarterback at Carolina, so we weren't in that market to be looking overly overly researching these guys. I actually got to meet Tyrod on the tour. Great young man. He's done a lot of good things on tape. Look forward to getting to know him and see how he leads this team. That's, um, that's the kind of noise that Tyrod Taylor needs to hear, especially with being benched the last couple of games of last season, not feeling loved by the franchise. I think it, it's all... So, for, for the first time in a long time, it seems to be positive noise coming out of Buffalo. And let's face it, the team was a bit, has been a bit of a dumpster fire for the last four or five years, as you said. Let's get on to Twitter questions and starting off with that one in from Neil Dutton, who took it seriously. And I really appreciate that. Which coaches go into 2017 firmly 
on the hot seat. Uh, there are a few names that immediately jumped out to me. We asked the question on Twitter. Uh, there was one that absolutely immediately jumped out and most people mentioned straight away. But, uh, Ollie, I turn to you first of all. Who jumps out at you as being a coach on the hot seat and do you think they can survive the 2017 season? Uh, it's a tough one. That's a really tough one because there's a, there are a lot of really good candidates, but things have happened either in the draft or last season that you'd say probably they're not like John Fox being one are they going to give him a year with a rookie quarterback or with Mike with Mike Glennon how long does that last he will be under severe scrutiny depending on what happens in those first five or six weeks and when and if Trubisky comes in so he would be one of them definitely uh, another guy that I have I've been looking at is Mike Zimmer Oh, that's an interesting one, because I think Zimmer's done a brilliant job in in Minnesota considering what they've got there. But I, I'm, I'm surprised, basically, that you said that. Just over 500. I know that he's... I know that fans and journalists and alike have, have, have thought that perhaps last year he could have done better. I know they were here very early with that Sam Bradford injury. But when you look at how they reacted, the, the Vikings reacted, especially some of the players, to not taking his uh, instructions when covering the Green Bay Packer, Green Bay Packer wide receiving core, I don't think things are quite potentially quite right there. And with the talent that's on that roster, uh, okay, the the offensive line isn't great. Perhaps, perhaps he should. People should be looking at him a little bit more. But then again, he's lost Adrian Peterson. There's been a big turnaround. Teddy Bridgewater going down. Perhaps that gives him an extra season. But the one, the main one, is obviously Todd Bowles. Yeah, Todd Bowles. I was interested that nobody tweeted us saying Todd Bowles because uh, Todd Bowles is in a really horrible situation because he's got a, a, a roster where the first year he was there, he went. they went absolutely big on free agency signings and they went within you know, uh, within moments of a playoff berth. They way overpaid for those veterans. They didn't build properly. Last year, the team fell apart under the stewardship of Ryan Fitzpatrick and then the kind of reticimat of other terrible quarterbacks they had there. And then this year, they go into the draft and they take one of their very few positions of strength in on the entire roster was safety. And they start off by taking a first and second round safety and then take three pass catchers with the next three picks. When actually there was their uh, receiver and tight end depth wasn't good. It wasn't necessarily a, a, a huge area of need. So he has not been put in any way in a situation to succeed. I like Todd Bowles a mm. lot as a coach. I just think that, not dissimilar to another man that jumps out to me who's Chuck Pagano. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Don't, I don't think he's ever been put in the situation to truly succeed. The big difference with Pagano, obviously, is that he's had a quarterback to work with in Andrew Luck, but he's now finally got a GM who seems to get it, which Ryan Grigson didn't. Um, you know, offensive line's been a big focus, and whilst Grigson you know, brought in some decent pieces, the left side of their line is actually pretty good. It's just the right side that's a complete mess. Um, they, they now have focus more on the offensive line, but also Chuck Pagano is a good defensive coach who creates 
interesting blitz schemes, who knows how to bring interesting pressures, who likes to bring pressure from safety, from linebacker, as well from the defensive line, um, uh, who works to that kind of cover three system where he's got mm. not un- not unlike what we've seen in Seattle in Atlanta, where we've got two physical corners and a deep lying safety who they now have in Malik Hooker. Then that means that they can really do a lot with the other eight men on the defense. You know, He's finally been given the pieces to create a defense that he wants. So actually, Chuck Pagano, whilst I think he is on the hot seat if they do fail this season, he is a guy who actually could have one of the more dramatic turnarounds. If they go, if they have a winning record this year and they decide to give Pagano another year because it's moving in the right direction, and then Ballard has another really good offseason next offseason, which I know an offseason isn't really decided until you've got... 22 men on the field going head to head but it looks good on paper what they've done i i i'm really i'm kind of positive on what the colts can achieve this year i just think it's a shame they're in a really strong afc south we've we've both everyone lots of people mentioned john fox on twitter uh certainly wilson scruff said john fox big time str stevie t ray said john fox um he's a guy who they had their worst ever record last year with 3-13. and 13. And then on the first two days of the draft this year, they didn't take anyone who looks like a 2017 starter. So I think that's a... So a lot of people mentioning Marvin Lewis, and there's an interesting well, I think Shaheen, by the way, sorry, I think Shaheen could be a, a starter, given that they haven't got much at tight end in Chicago. But he looks, but he, but he, but he looks like a developmental but he's, guy. Yeah, he he's, like a, yeah he's very I, I raw, yeah. There's, there's real potential there, but he does look very developmental. And... and there's an interesting one because uh, Kieran got in touch and said, I'd say Sean Payton, but he could feel the defense made of cardboard cutouts and somehow still not get criticized. And interesting, Stevie T. Ray mentions Marvin Lewis as well. Are there a couple of guys this year who have been incumbent in their job for a very long time, had a middling level of success? I mean, actually, the Saints have become the new seven and nine Rams, but guys like Marvin Lewis, who've consistently gone to the playoffs but didn't last year, Sean Payton, who again, has consistently gone to the consistently went to the playoffs after their Super Bowl win, but has fallen off again in the last couple of years. Who have seemed untouchable before now, but actually could be part of a big shakeup this coming year. Well, I thought Marvin Lewis last year. I mentioned Marvin Lewis, and I thought surely he needs to make the the Bengals get the Bengals to the playoffs to avoid the the chop the sack. Um, and that didn't happen. He didn't get fired, and I I find it fascinating, especially with the Bengals and. Okay, the way that they play football is is under scrutiny, but the the treatment of AJ Green last year, I thought was very very odd because okay he went down, but they didn't bring him back. Perhaps this is a guy that uh, recently has suffered some injuries, but perhaps to give him a, even longer to recover and be ready for next season. AJ Green said he was ready to play. He wanted to play, and you're taking away potential bonuses from the guy from playing so we don't know what that's like they dra- end up drafting two wide receivers in in uh, in the draft John Ross being the, that high profile pick at number nine um, in the first round so perhaps I think it's almost this season or bust for Marvin Lewis other 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 guys are not just so just just while we're on Marvin Lewis I think the, the difference there is and what I'm saying the same with Sean Payton is the Bengals were one of the worst teams in football yeah. through the 90s and early noughties. And he came in, he got into the playoffs for the first time in a very long time in 2005. And then uh, you can kind of remember around 2008, there was a feeling that they had that 4-11 season and then they weren't looking like a good football team. If they hadn't gone back to the playoffs in 2009, you felt like he might have gone then. But then having that run of 
was it five or six straight years going to the playoffs and okay they lost the wild card game every single year but at least going there it felt like he'd he'd taken such a bad team and turned them yeah. into a, a upper middle team that you kind of thought he's 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 got as much rope as he needs, but I just I do think this year is an interesting one. I, I, the only other one that really jumped out to me that really surprised me from people on Twitter was Paul Holland said possibly Bill O'Brien after the quarterback problems in Houston, though not entirely his fault how it's happened. And Stevie T. Ray has said possibly Bill O'Brien, though I don't think he should be. I, I mean, Bill O'Brien's a weird one because there was talk about Bill O'Brien potentially losing his job if they didn't win that first playoff game this year. I think that's absolutely crazy. I think Bill O'Brien has done a brilliant job in Houston. I think he's horrendously underrated. Mm. And actually, if they found a quarterback in Deshaun Watson who can come in and be a high-level starter or even a decent mid-level starter, they've got the defense, they've got the roster, they've got everything else they need there to be a successful playoff team, to be a team that compete. And I, I think Bill O'Brien did a really good job of coaching the rest of that team up. The problem is he was sold as a quarterback whisperer and he hasn't been able to fix quarterback mm. yet. I, I think Brock Osweiler was unfixable. <laughs> I, and I, I, you can't blame him. I think Rick Smith in Houston is the one that should be a, a, to blame with that and the rest of the scouting team and, and, but, and the but, guys I mean, that Bill made that, that Bill O'Brien came out and, and banged the table for but him. But he had to. Was he, yeah, exactly. Was he banging the table because he felt, you know, right, he's my guy now. I better actually, you know, I he, better bang the table. Yeah, but he couldn't not. That's it. He couldn't not do it, especially after um, a hard knocks the year before, where there was this quarterback battle, and he didn't nail his master his standard to the mast of either of uh, was it Brian Hoyer and uh, Mattenberg. <laughs> I like that you've just turned him into Mattenberg. Was it now. Mattenberg? <laughs> is that his name? He's what is his name? Oh no, I'm leaving it as that. That's that. Mattenberg. Now, that guy, anyway. Zach something. Zach. Uh, it's Mattenberg. How could he not be Matt? It's it's, it's Mettenberger, but. Ah, oh, Mettenberger, Mattenberg. I, I like Mattenberg. Mate, I you're, don't think he des- you're out of order. He deserves the respect of being Mettenberger. But uh, I, I do agree. The Houston team and fans also need to see uh, an improvement on offense because that defense is unbelievable and with JJ Watt coming back they're going to be in games and they're going to potentially get under Bill O'Brien's a third AFC South championship so I don't I don't see him being necessarily on the hot seat but I do expect to see some improvement offense wise shall we go through the rest of the questions we've had in on Twitter yes because I thought this was going to end up being a really short show and we've nearly done an hour so Mate, when is well it ever us. a short show <laughs> there is that there is that um Rich White asked a question about which star QB can we look forward to falling off a metaphorical cliff this season I think that's one worth saving as a more in-depth conversation on another podcast yeah maybe getting agree. a guest on it agree. maybe you know, discussing aging quarterbacks, getting Matt Sherry on as well. I mean, he gave options of Eli, Brady, Drew Brees, and a another. To give a very, very short answer to that question. <laughs> Interesting. Um, uh, Brady and Brees have both had the right offenses put around them to mask any aging issues they've had. Uh, Eli basically has had the same. He's already off the cliff. Mm. He's already holding on by his fingertips after his performance last year. It's whether or not with them putting those extra couple of pass catches there and Evan Ingram and Brandon Marshall, and if they can improve the backfield as well, is that going to make the difference? 
that's the one to really watch mm. out for me. Uh, Gary Taylor asks, as a Titans fan, should I be worried that experts are labelling them as a team to beat in the AFC South next season? After all, Mike Malarkey is still our head coach. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think possibly, because <laughs> we, we still don't know how good Mike Malarkey is. Okay, we have one, sum- one season of sample size, really, which is last season, and the Titans did well. But still, no one's quite sure what the Titans are and how they do it. You know, yeah, they, I think they, that's, that, that's that's the thing for me. You've got uh, Titans are the kind of balance in the AFC South because you've got two teams there who, on paper, have got very good rosters, but don't have a quarterback or haven't been able to find the quarterback in both the Jaguars and the Texans. The Texans have had more consistent success, so I think the Jaguars are slightly behind them on that one. But then you've got the Colts who have got. I'm sorry to fans of Marcus Mariota. I still believe that Andrew Luck is the best quarterback in the division, um, but they've not had the roster around him. And then with the Titans, you've kind of got this odd balance where Mariota's done brilliantly since coming to the NFL. And I think he's one of the most impressive adaptations of a guy who came out of a system in Oregon where he somehow picked up the NFL so incredibly quickly and you heard a couple of stories around him around the draft when they were talking about verbiage in the NFL that he used to just stand in front of the mirror and see how quickly he could recite plays from his playbook with clarity so that people would be able to understand them in the uh, in the huddle and he was doing that in front of the mirror for like hours a day outside of practice because he knew that he'd come from this system where they just had the old holding up cards in college to Mm. indicate the plays and so he you know he has been incredibly impressive and I think he's got all the tools to go on and continue to be a great quarterback but actually beyond Delaney Walker there wasn't a pass catcher that screamed at you as being brilliant how is that Murray Henry backfield going to work out going to this year I think they've got two great bookend tackles there and I think that's something that you don't have at a lot of teams so I think that's really important and then how much of those secondary improvements actually going to improve them this year so I think the Titans are the most intriguing team and actually the FC South is kind of the most intriguing division in football right now yeah who would have thought who would have thought <laughs> um, Gary Newton asked will Dak slash the Cowboys be as good or will teams stack up against the run, make him throw, and take chances ending in interceptions and shorter drives? So it's quite a lot to unpack in that question. Yeah, the, prob- uh, the problem with that, you know, bo- uh, stacking the box, uh, stopping Ezekiel and Dak and that sort of partnership there, is that Dak s- slowly but surely started a very prosperous and lucrative uh, relationship with Des Bryant at the end of last season. The last six games, those two were finding each other, um, or Dak finding Des Bryant on a regular basis, and Des was starting to be that receiver that we all know and love. I think when you've got someone like Des Bryant on the outside and up the middle and as that red zone target, Dak has shown that he's a good enough quarterback to get it to Des Bryant. So I'm going to say that they probably will be as good. Now, I don't necessarily expect this to happen, but I think if people want, other teams in the NFC East want some kind of glimmer of hope here, is that Dak Prescott wasn't a top 10 quarterback last year. I'm sorry. I know the stats suggested he was. I know that (laughs) the performance of the team suggested he was and all of that. Dak Prescott is a fourth round rookie who has a fantastic mental understanding of the game has a brilliant disposition for 
being put in pressure situations and performing to a high level. And all of that suggests to me that he will continue to be successful. But there were big flaws in his game. There were times where he left massive throws on the field. There were times where without the protection of his line, him holding on to the ball too long would have seen him hit in a lesser team. And it's going to be interesting to see how he develops that side of his game this year and if teams are going to be able to figure him out. I believe he's got everything he needs to figure that out and to improve. But it's just that is the one where if this year he turned into Josh Freeman and had a brilliant rookie season and then fell off a cliff... Actually, I wouldn't. I, I'd be surprised, but not as surprised as I think many would be. And would it be way. useful to have that kind of veteran who's done it already, done it before, the man of the people, the man of the team in the in, waiting in the wings to take over? Yeah, it would be lovely if they did, but sadly, he's going to be waiting up in the commentary box. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, Adam Barton asks, this is a pretty simple question from a, a football perspective in general. Do you prefer a shootout or a classic defensive battle? I think every Ravens versus Steelers game since about 2004. So uh, games which have finished 13-10. Would you rather see something like that? Or do you want to see the, you know, Colts, Saints go 52-49? Do you know what? That's such a hard question because the football purist in me would say a defensive battle. The fan of splashy plays and mistakes says the shootout I, I, I'd say shootout I'm going to go shootout you know, I'm going to be horrendously on the fence with this and say the joy of the NFL is that you get both Yeah, you make me sick <laughs> uh, the same person also asked tea or coffee uh, both tea I love well, both there you go so now you're on the fence um, it's a stupid uh, question isn't gra- it uh, Graham Hackney asks, <laughs> which team do you project to own the first pick in next year's draft? Well, that will be one that we discuss on our pre-show awards, where that comes up later in the off-season. So, yeah, yeah just a little one for you. It's between an East Coast team and a West Coast team. Uh, and the final one on a football <laughs> basis. Uh, <laughs> I'm just leaving that. Um Final thought, uh, thoughts on Giants running game for 2017, asked Niall Owens. And how does Manning get, how long does Manning get before we uh, calls for a change with Davis, Webb and Geno Smith backing up? I think uh, even though Giants fans are New York football fans and New York fans of any sport tend to be the most overreactive, maybe outside of Philadelphia in all of sport. I think Eli Manning might have just bought himself a bit of rope. If you know what I mean, I think I don't think fans are going to be calling for his head if the team aren't performing. If they're you know five hundred, yeah. ten games into the season, the running game. I, I just you know they've they've taken what they took Wayne Gorman, which is in the fourth round, an undrafted rookie in Shane Smith, and they brought in Sean Drone from the 49ers, who I like as like a third down back, but I don't know works. They've uh, Orleans Dark was there, Paul Perkins is there as well, Shane Vereen. I don't think they even know what they're going to do on, on the in the running game. We could see less than ten yards, or sorry, ten carries per game for running backs total with, and, and with the amount of my, receiving weapons they have. It was my issue with them taking Evan Ingram is that his complete lack of blocking ability means that the, you know who they brought. Well, they brought in DJ Fluker in the hope that he can come in and compete at those tackle positions. Eric Flowers has been dreadful since he came in. I, I actually quite like the interior of their line. I think Weston Richburg's one of the best centers in the league. Justin Pugh's a good tackle. Uh, you know, a good guard. Sorry. You know, I, I don't mind their depth in the center, but they're not strong at the tackle positions. They're not strong at tight end in terms of blocking. Will Ty's not a great blocking. 
tight end either. So I would be concerned that that's going to be again for a second year running the part of their offense, which lets them down overall and means that people are going to be able to are going to be able to predict what they're doing. Yeah, and uh, of course becomes as you say predictable. Um, and we end up seeing massive shootouts probably involving the Giants like we did for the last two years. Um, do you want to ask answer Adam Foxcross food-related questions? Yeah. <laughs> do you prefer an Indian or a Thai curry or perhaps... Is that a Malaysian flag? Yeah, Malaysia or Nepal. Uh, Nepal I've never had a Nepalese curry. Well, think. Nepalese is really nice food. It's kind of... it's. Uh, it's it's like a deep, rich flavoured, kind of dusty. Um, there's a really nice, or there was a really nice Nepalese restaurant in Grantham where my parents live called Gurkha Square, but it's gone full. Do you know what? It's fallen off I the cliff. I used to eat at a place called Kathmandu Valley, which is Nepalese, and actually it is really good. So. Yeah, Nepalese food is lovely. I will always back myself to make a better curry than some of the fare that you get in places for white people to eat curry. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what to do with that. Well, I, no. I, what I, I'm I saying is, I spoke to Sal. Sal is a is a, a Pakistani Indian guy that works at Talksport, and he agrees with me. Some of the food that you get served in places where there there isn't a big um, Indian sort of uh, population, they're cooking for people with white people with palates that aren't as um, developed from an, an Asian food point of view as say if they there's a big Indian population so they end up doing base, things more basic there's a stock sauce rather than cooking for just you, you know all of the curries come from one particular source so I often think that the stuff that you get there isn't very good however if I'm going to a really nice Indian Pakistani Bangladeshi restaurant uh, that will overtake Probably a Thai curry. And yeah, I'm not a huge fan of I'm not a huge fan of Thai curry, even though I like Thai food in general. Yeah, I'll tell you that the correct answer for me isn't on that list. Uh, Indonesian? No. Nope. Sri Lankan baby. Sri Lankan, absolutely. Yeah, that 100%. Sri Lankan we went to was incredible. Yeah, one of the best. I'm just trying to see if I've got a Sri Lankan flag emoji on my phone, you have. so I can respond. You, you will. You will have. You will have. Yeah. My my old phone didn't have the flag emojis, Ollie. That's a disgrace. I, ne- I, I never had the heart to tell you because I knew you'd be so upset. Do you know what still gets my goat now? The fact that you can't get England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, but you can get Jersey and Guernsey. What's that all about? Yeah, I'm, I, I can't bring myself to care. Uh, well, there'll be people out there that will go, yeah, that's really annoying too. Trust. But, uh, but, but I love you, buddy. Thanks, so mate. it's fine. Um, I think that kind of rounds us off. Guys, as we've been guys pl- plugging away go and check out the touchdown trips tour get yourself a credit card get yourself a personal loan <laughs> you'll be able to you, you only need to pay the 250 pound deposit initially and then you'll have up until august to pay off the remainder of the the money so you'll have a bit of time to pay it off as well and it's going to be so worth it because it's going to be yeah i like the 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 cost looks high but when you really think about the the transfers, the flights, the 10 nights in hotels, the tickets to four games plus a high school game. You know, if if it was another thousand plus pounds on top, it wouldn't 
you know, it, it would probably look it's like good value. you'd be able to book if you did it yourself. So the fact that it's the price that it is, is fantastic. So go to Touchdown Trips, check out the information there. We've also got a brilliant video that we've posted online uh, that's well worth checking out as well with some of the sights and sounds that we're going to be able to see while we're out there. Uh, Ollie, do you have any final thoughts? I don't know. Beautiful. Well, in which case, I'm quite happy to uh, leave it there and uh, move on with our lives. Me too. Perfect. Thank you again to the Jacksonville Jaguars and Jaguars UK for setting up the interviews with Leonard Fournette and Cam Robinson. Please do go and rate and review us on iTunes, ideally five stars and some nice comments as well. We tend to get like ratings, but not many people actually put a little review there. So just, you know, even if it's just a little thumbs up, just because uh, it all helps us grow and it all helps us get more listeners. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll do it more regularly if we do that. Uh, <laughs> so thank you. Thank you very much for listening as always. Uh, and uh, this has been The Gridiron Show. Love you, bye. Four days like no other. A festival like no other. For a bookmaker like no other. Betfred. Get up to £40 in free bets when you sign up using promo code CHELP40 and stake £10 on any Cheltenham race. Betfred. At the heart of Cheltenham. 18 plus. New UK customers only. Available from March 6th to March 13th. £30 free bets credited within 10 hours of first bet settlement. Extra £10 free bets credited if first bet loses. Full terms at betfred.com slash promotions. Keep it fun. Begambleaware.org.